Good afternoon, everyone. We are still here. I'm still here, actually. Fraser has gone to do a, a speaking session at mm-hmm. our Congress today. So we have a guest co-host. Yes. Hello, Clayton. Hello. Welcome to the seat. Thank you. He's on a good behaviour bond. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to intro any more podcasts. <laughs> Look, this is really exciting. We get to take people who are spreading amazing ideas on the Congress stage and we get to figure out what that session is all about, who they are, why they've been asked to speak. And we have Melanie Drago. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks yes. for joining us, Melanie. It's okay. Pleasure to be here. For people listening, can you tell us who you are and then we'll get to what your session is all about and then what you want people to take out of it? For sure. Um, so, my name's Melanie Drago, as been introduced. Um, I'm the founder of Tango, which is a platform that connects power planners and financial advisors, like an air tasker type thing. Mm. And it's really for those small businesses that just need out of a power planning or just really cost effective power planning with flexible solutions. Clayton's doing really cute faces at me. Ah. <laughs> um, and Our last guest said the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other, the other, I'm um, also the admin for the Power Planner Hub, which is just a community um, specifically for power planners. It's mostly sharing ideas. Um, and also, I've been a power planner for a very long time. I started back in 2000, 2002, uh, did that for a while. Then I worked at AXA, managing the advice documents and template team for those that were there. Um, and then I've done a bit of other work with uh, digital industry fund services and mm. all that sort of stuff and, and that's why I'm here now. So I think the idea was me to bring some um, insights on where you could go to as a power planner, what power planners do because as you know or you may not know, there's no real def- definition of a power planner. Uh, it sort of just formed and became what it is today because of evolution. And right. There's no real industry. Power planner is someone who does the technical stuff, maybe does some admin, maybe helps a planner in doing client work there's no real definition um i'd love that to change but my idea was uh, is that going to evolve into something else with the new changes to qua and all that sort of stuff are power planners still going to be needed and that was sort of the theme of the today session so right yeah that's an interesting concept uh in the event that um that michelle levy's proposals were to be accepted as they are yeah, that's a good point. Uh, power planning would, would change. Naturally, it would, yeah. And I think um, some people are going, oh, well, there's no SOAs. You don't need power planners. And I think that's really sort of minimizing the jobs and the roles that power planners do. And I think that was part of the what we discussed today. What do power planners do? And it's not just writing an SOA. They help with doing the projections and understanding the software well enough to do the projections and doing the research and, and being that second set of eyes on compliance and actually helping the advisor maybe being a stepping, stepping stone to advising and yep. being that business succession sort of person as well. So there's a whole heap of things that power planners can do. And I think to say that if SOAs were gone, which maybe it's not going to be an SOA in the current format, but maybe another document you've got to produce. I don't think power planners are going anywhere. To well, documentation going. isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Maybe, it, maybe it's the existing statement format. of, yeah, precisely. Maybe it's not going to say you have to have a statement of advice on the front screen and it's going to be there. And yeah. Go. It might be you could have it as visual, you could have it in digital, you could have it as sure. a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that... But they all need to be created. And you've still got to do and, research. And rev- yeah, reviewed and someone has to speak to the product provider and... 
Yeah, and one of the questions was, how do you how do you prove that we still need power plans? And I'll like, I'll sit an advisor down in front of uh, one of the modelling softwares and ask them to punch out three scenarios, and they'll go, get stuffed. Uh, I want the power planner back. So. I, 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 best response would be fire your power planner and see how long you last. Yeah, that's right. But I, and and power planners love being that person, that back end person helping advice because yeah. half of them. I did a survey. And the majority of them were like, I am not a client-facing person. I'm not a people person. I want to be in the back end. I want to deal with the number crunching. They want the advisor to do that. And they respect and love advisors being there doing that client doing stuff. Totally. Yeah. So when you're hiring and you're looking for someone to be a power planner and be in your business for a long time, what are you, what are you hunting for? Do you always go for the exp- – because talent is a big issue in advice at, a, at an advisor level and I'm presuming as well at a power planning level. Yeah. So how do you find great power planners? I think there's a massive issue here. There's some really good power planners that have been around for a long, long time. They were trained up by the corporates or they're trained up in small businesses. Um, they've got all the skills that you need to be power planners, but they're far and few between. Some of them are leaving industry. Some of them want to be advisors or what have, what have you. And there's this new gener- we need this new generation of power planners, but the problem is, one, who's trading them up? Boutique, I would say boutique offices are maybe not the best uh, stomping ground to get your hands in power planning. You need to be trained properly. Um, so that's an issue for talent. We don't have new power planners that are being trained properly and that needs to be addressed by the industry. That's is that so capacity? Yeah. yeah. Here you go. Well, well, what, yeah, so how, why do you think that boutique isn't a great pl- because the but advantage of time. boutique is you're everywhere I do agree but do advisors have time to commit to ah. training a power planner properly or they go quickly just do it like this so I haven't got time to show you the proper way that's definitely true yes so I think that like and it's not that they won't do it properly if they had time mm. but who's gonna they need someone to sit next to them and show them how to do it properly gotcha yeah so mm. boutique's not the best place to do yeah, that right mm. um, so that's a problem but when I look for a power planner I like someone who's detail-oriented, obviously. I mean, and good with numbers is good. Obviously, you're dealing with numbers all the time. But I think the other thing which is important, which most people don't realise, is to have that big picture overview of a strategy. Because this might be right here, but when you look at the big picture, it's not correct. So people that can see the bigger picture and understand if the strategy is right and just look at the holistic view of that advice, which is really important, not just looking at the detail and the t- corrections and all that, the numbers, but just the big picture, which is what financial planning is about, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, strategy. Yeah. So, yeah. so your marketplace, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, in, it's based in Australia, so you've got yeah, Australian-based power planners. So there's obviously a trend where there's a, there's a lot of offshoring in this, this space. What would your comments be on that? Like what, what sort of business owners um, seek out that Australian – because, you know, you've got different options and different options suit different businesses. Correct. When does an Australian-based power planner suit and when does an offshore power planner suit? Uh, definitely space for both. Uh, offshore is an excellent solution that people are more cost-sensitive. They want something that's cheap for their business because they haven't got that capacity to pay for an onshore, an onshore power planning in your office could be 80, 100 grand for a really experienced power planner. That's a lot of money for a business to fork out. So offshore is a great solution. Uh, Tango has contract Australian power planners. Some planners and licensees want their stuff to be onshore just from data reasons and that's fair enough. Um, Others like the fact that they can just, they know they're around the corner and they've been in the industry for a long, long time and they've got that experience where you find more offshore, probably more not as they haven't been doing it for 10, 15 years. They're probably newer mm. power planners. So they want that experience. So they want their really good technical power planners. And I find that the Australian ones are sort of in that realm. Mm. So I think that's the differences. But then I've got some that would have both. So they have offshore 
for their smaller, less complex SOAs. Then they'd use onshore for the really technical complex ones where the SOA's got to be spot on, language, everything's got to be right. So, yeah. My, my final question um, to you, Melanie, is if I've got a great power planner and talent is, is hard, how do I keep that person happy? What, what's my employee value proposition got to be so that I have a really yeah, good relationship and a long relationship with this person who I really value and is yeah. an important contributor? And power planners, I find they can, to lose a power planner when you've invested so much time and energy in that person or train them up is really heartbreaking. And I find a lot of advisors come to me because they've lost their power planner. Um, I can tell you now, if you want someone in your office, it's definitely flexibility is what power planners go for. And often they will go to contract power planning and leave an office because of the flexibility that contract power planning provides. So if you're in your office and you want an office power planner, I suggest flexibility is key. Uh, development and training so paying for them to come to something like this where they can get exposure to this sort of environment that'd be a great value add um, giving them CPD training giving them education and even developing like it if they want to sit in front of clients develop them in that way because you won't get that as contract power planning so giving things that they want but flexibility I can tell you now and probably Sorry to say it, but salary. If you're going to pay them really low wage when they can get more doing contract power planning with the flexibility, you're never going to win. What's low, medium and high? Because we often get a lot of responses to when we put out like, what does someone get paid? It's a really important question. In your experience, what's that range? I just did a survey. I can tell you the average uh, salary for a power planner based on the survey that I did was 160 people. Uh, for in-house office was about 70 to 85 um, and then if the more senior ones that have over 15 years experience, you're probably pushing over 100. Um, for a contract power planner, they usually charge between, for a standard couple SOA, say retiree going into retirement phase, you're probably going to see about 500 to 650 for an SOA. So then you work out, I think that's what a business needs to do. Is it worth, if I'm only doing one SOA a month, is it worth just getting a contract power planner? Or if I can resource out that power planner in-house to do more than just power planning and maybe do some sort of succession planning and helping with the advice, then I would think that a power planner in-house would be a better proposition. So, yeah. Mm, fantastic. That's been such um, amazing business planning strategy insights for people. So thank you for sharing them with us, Melanie. And, and Claim, do you have any other questions before we sign off? I just like I just like that, um, you know, that you got a passion for power planning. Like I started out, I came over from accounting into power planning originally. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a super, super valuable part of the advice, the entire advice, advice process. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm just stoked that someone's sort of making sure that, that people are paying attention to it more yeah. than anything. Yeah. The industry needs, to be honest, the industry needs to pay attention to it because one, there's no definition of power planner. There's no qualifications for power planning. Yeah. So you have someone who's doing all the calculation strategy and stuff like that and essentially doesn't need any qualifications. Yeah. So why is that? Um, we're talking about an industry that doesn't look at compliance people. What do they need to be to compliance people? We've got people that have probably done no law, nothing like that, and building licensee rules, auditing and doing all that. Why is that? Why hasn't the industry decided... An advisor needs to do this, but also these industry participants should have these qualifications to make sure we're all humming beautifully. Agreed. Mm. Yeah. So fantastic. Yeah, well, no thanks worries. for coming on. <laughs> and before we before we uh, we get out of this particular episode, the FPA do have support for power planners in this power planning hub, which is no, yeah, that's no, right. 
Is no? that FBI? Okay. But I think they're coming, they're working with me to oh, do okay, something. Oh, okay, to bring you. Yeah, okay, hopefully. so, so we'll bit, see, of secret, bit of secret squirrel, but it's something exciting's maybe, coming maybe soon. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Melanie. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Danny. Bye.